Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello. It is great to be with you. Today, we're continuing our holiday series talking about the topic of being with where we're looking at what it means to bring the doing side of ourselves into balance with our being side. And to refresh our memories, last week we began talking about what it means to be with God, ourselves, and others in meaningful ways. And so today we want to take a deeper look and build off of that into what being with can look like by exploring the idea that there are many ways to be with. It is not a one-size-fits-all. And so I wonder if a helpful way to frame this conversation would be to look through the lens of mind, heart, and body. Because although all three of these are super important aspects of how we are designed to be with, I think we tend to maybe sometimes gravitate more towards one than the other. And so I think depending on a different number of factors, that could be situational, it could be our personality, but sometimes exploring the different ways can maybe help us to either strengthen one that is current or maybe lean into another space. And This reminds me of even just this week, I was in a conversation with someone who tends to be more mind-centered and intellect is a really important piece of his spirituality. And I think wondering, can contemplative practices be for me? Because all that I hear, it's so emotional centered and that's not my go-to. I'm willing to learn and grow. However, that's, is there a place for me type of a thing? And I think the answer is yes. And we will explore that and more on today's podcast. And so as I bring up the idea of many ways of being with, I wonder who would like to kick off our conversation today. It's interesting that you bring up mind, heart, body as a connection, ways of being with and talking about this friend that seems to be in the space of knowing God with the mind, or I like to say illumination. I think we use our mind to illuminate our understanding, and that's one of the ways that we can be with God, and we can do that through We can do that through text, scripture, poems, things like that. And then thinking about the heart center is more the feelings, the emotions. And Christina Kaiser and myself have done this class on the four quadrants of of the spiritual life, which is funny. There's the different quadrants, but you have the mystical, you have the more charismatic, then you have the liturgical, and then you have the sort of apostolic type of quadrants. And one side leans heavily on the illumination, and the other side leans very heavily on the sensing, knowing God with the heart. And I just think that's how we're designed. And so whatever faith tradition you find yourself landing in, the practices of which, whether it's prayer or it's scripture, like how you use them, I think could be either for illumination, like you're like knowing God through your mind, or you're really connected to the prayer because it connects your heart to others in a way. I think that's very interesting that you bring that up. And then you say the body. I think one way I've heard it is the mind, heart, and desire if you're if you can link maybe body with desire or gut or i think one of the things that just of note that i heard early on in my training is that desire is to be cautioned right if we think of 
sensing, or if we think about desires, our desires, almost that God or the divine is not correlated with desire. There's no connection at all. In fact, that might be something of the flesh or things that you might hear in your different faith traditions. But I find it very interesting that our desires, knowing God, being with God in our desires leads to being connected to who we really are. What are the ways that I want to connect with God? What are my desires? Do I want to go on a walk in nature? Do I, what desire do I have to connect with God? I love this topic. I do too. And I find it really important because I was reminded recently, someone had brought up that Thomas Merton, which is, let's say the seventies, 1970s, would have said that, for instance, extroverts can't be contemplative, that it just wasn't even possible, which, you know, I'm connecting dots, I'm supposing, but I'm supposing that it was all about this sitting in stillness business. And so only certain types of people could sit in stillness. But I think of things like the contemplative tree. And I functioned as a pastor for a really long time. And it was really important for me to be able to create experiences that everyone could participate in. And so when people were saying, I can't sit in stillness, it's driving me up a wall. I can't sit with myself. I wanted to create scenarios that worked for people. So I went on this kind of quest looking for ways. And I think that this speaks to how theology or ways that we talk or teach are always developing. It's not always the same across time. But I love when I ran into this thing called a contemplative tree and it started showing all these branches and possibilities where stillness was just one, but yeah, going on a nature walk or doing something with movement otherwise or musical or art and even vigils was in, and I thought, oh my gosh, like that's amazing that you can connect these things together. And so that gave me permission to start embodying my creative side. And I think even if we looked back five years, I would probably have said embodiment. I don't know anything about that. I don't know how to be embodied. And then it turns out I was very naturally being embodied all the time. I just didn't have the words to talk about how I involved my body in being with God. But now if I get time, I get so giddy, excited about getting paper and colors or music and movement or a sit spot in nature. Like I just get really excited about the possibilities of how I might spend that time and how we might connect. So yeah, I too am thankful for this conversation because it's much broader than maybe one originally would have thought. And if I can bring us back to the idea of, again, being with as opposed to doing, right, or doing for, maybe I can take an example and get a little bit tactile. So again, going back to the intellectual engagements, I think sometimes maybe a doing with is getting the the study done, digging into the definitions of things, the rigor, which is amazing and important. And we're not saying that's a bad thing to do. Whereas maybe the being with is how is this particular text speaking into my life and informing me? And what's the invitation there? And it maybe goes from a cerebral level to maybe a more a story comes up or an emotional level or something like that, too. And so that could be an example. Same thing with maybe an embodiment. There's if I'm going on a walk and I'm trying to get my steps in, that's great. Or I want to go to the gym and I'm listening to a spiritual podcast while I'm doing that's awesome. And that's important. But maybe that's a little bit different than paying attention to, wow, as I'm 
sitting with this news story, my body is having this reaction within me that's pointing to something else that I need to tend to. And that would be maybe a being with moment of I'm going to be with my body and the tension that I'm feeling right now in my chest as I'm listening to this and remembering a certain thing in my life or feeling empathy for something that I'm engaging with and tending to that in a different way. So again, I think these practices can lean into the doing doing for, that doing space, which again, we're not saying that's bad, but for the purpose of this podcast series that we're doing in December, leaning into that being with space, I think there's ways that we can nuance it that goes from one aspect of that to the other. Yeah. And I think one of the words that that comes to mind is the word transcendent. I, I think whenever you're engaging your mind in an activity and then you somehow connect your heart and your desire with that, like our whole self is being brought in into the space that we are currently inhabiting, you reach that that place of transcendence. It moves from just up here in the head. It moves throughout our whole being. And so I've tried to engage. So in, in activities that I find to be where I'm really concentrating. And so like a new piece of music that I've been working on, I'm concentrating really hard on the movement. And then once I master my mind and my body and know what to do, how do I engage my heart? And then that is when I reach the spiritual experience, right? It moves from my head to my body into my heart. And there's just such a deeper connection with it than if I'm, let's say, only engaging one. So I think the word transcendent comes up for me. Transcendent is a great word for it. Yeah, because I was thinking similarly. Yeah, these ways of being with, they create this opening for more to flow. And I think your example is great. Oh, I'm doing something and it's really cerebral, which can often be true. I might be doing a bunch of writing or it's just something. And I want the exact opposite. (laughs) So sometimes I want picture because I've been so full of words. Sometimes I want stillness because I've been so busy. And so it's really just what is going to create the opening. And it's not always the same. It's dependent on the life experience. But so that oftentimes I have been very much in my head. How do I reconnect my heart and my body to my whole experience? How do I go from, I don't know, this space that is very busy to, oh, yeah, I'm a spiritual being and there is value and purpose and meaning, not just to do's. And I think for me, I was thinking about a couple of weeks ago, I got a new book from the library that I was just loving. It was called Everyday Dharma. And I love reading spiritual books about our purpose, our calling, helping people to discover that. And this one was from an Indian human being. And so just brought a different lens and language to some of the concepts from my faith tradition. And so it was fresh and new. And there was the temptation of, oh my gosh, this would make an amazing teaching or class. And wanting to go into that space of reading it for the purpose of let me take notes and do that. But it was like, no, I actually want to read this in more of a letting the words wash over me and let me engage that. And then I sat with the book and I was going to, do I take it back to the library or do I do the report thing on it? And it was like, you know what? I'm going to take it back to the library and receive what it was. And then perhaps in the future, I will recheck it out again with the lens of the doing of like creating a class out of this material because it's so rich. But for the moment, I had to catch myself of, I actually want to be with this book, not have this book be a tool for others. And again, I do that and it's wonderful, but this practice of, I think sometimes it's just important for us to to be with. And even just 
Chris and I are married. If you haven't picked up on that yet in the podcast, if you're new to the podcast. And I think finding daytime is challenging with children. And so we will often do um, like a breakfast date or daytime dates um, because finding babysitters at night, it's just too challenging and homework and all the things. And there are times when it's like we find joy in running errands with one another and it's putzing around doing that and there's joy in that. But sometimes it's we could do that, but really we need to like do something fun and fill our fun tank and go on the walk or splurge and have the meal or whatever, because there's just a different space that you're holding. And I think the same can be true with our spiritual practices, right? That we do want the info. We do want the feeding. We do want the stuff, the goods from God, like we talked about last week. But also it's important to just have that space of being with no agenda and having an agendaless time with the spirit seems really important as well. I agree. As I hear you talk, I think one of the great things about what the contemplative has done is help me connect more with this concept of oneness. How can I really lean into oneness and unity? And that is true both in my connection with the divine and with my connection around. And so this notion of we are all interconnected beings and all things are interconnected is very meaningful. But the the contemplative has given me space to just sit with it. How am I feeling that be true? Am I feeling that in my heart center? Am I feeling that in my body? Am I reading about it and it's exciting me? Am I living it out in the world? What's going on? And sometimes I don't have a great answer. But sometimes, and I think this is true for so many, there are these kind of moments where they just open. They say, oh, it was like pure love. And I just understood it for a second. And then life went back to exactly what it is. But that is the benefit of those being with spaces is it's no longer uh, all this. And there's this kind of clarity. I love that word transcendence. We come up above it all in some way and see it differently. Yeah, I think in my workspaces, I almost have to tell myself to be present as I'm doing. Like I have to have some sort of ritual at the beginning of my workspace, where I'm at, where I'm doing. So I engage holistically in, in the experience. And so I, I find ritual, like starting things with a prayer, may I be present uh, in all the ways that it's possible to be present in my mind and my heart and my desire. And I don't always achieve presence. I, I don't think anyone does, right? That's that's what it means to be human. But I think the more that I set my intention to being holistic in a space, the more that I achieve that. And I, I, I used to have the most challenging time in spaces where there was a lot to get done. And particularly, maybe a lot of it, a lot of the to-dos rested on me. And I find that sort of crosses over into family. Like whenever your family is engaged in being with activities, even like cleaning house, that is more meaningful for me. I think everyone has to do just activities around your house. When I'm doing it by myself, I find myself very distracted. I find myself getting upset or maybe even comparing like all the work falls on me. Whenever there's intentionality that we're all doing this together and that we can have fun doing it and that we can be present to one another doing, we can actually be with in the doing. And so that's one of the ways that I find to be helpful in my workspaces, right? 
where I'm having to do stuff, how can I be fully present to myself and to others in that? And I think that's important. And again, to bring up our episode last week, the idea that what does it mean to be with ourselves, to be with God and to be with others, right? And there's all sorts of layers. And so even our topic today of many ways to be with, there's many ways to be with ourselves, to be with God and to be others, which I'm hearing highlighted in today's episode. Thank you so much for today's conversation. And hopefully it is inspiring our listeners. I I do want to mention too, that we have a class that we've put together. So if you're seeking even more resources around this idea of being with, we encourage you to check out the link in the show notes for more information. And now is the part of the podcast where we talk about what we are into this week. So what are we into, my friends? I am into driving a tiny car. We got this smaller car so that the kids don't have to learn how to drive on a minivan or so that we have a car, not just a minivan. Oh, but they're not quite in that space to be taking it. So I've been able to take it when I just need to go somewhere fast. And at first I would hit my head on the ceiling. Like I wasn't used to being in the smaller space. I didn't know where to put my things. But there is something about a tiny car. Like it just, yes. I have this strange, giddy reaction in a tiny car and I'm enjoying Well, this is the time of year where, this is the time of year where I love candles all year round, but particularly this time of the year. But that is not what I'm into. What I'm into is this cool blow torchy lighter thing that our family now owns. I love it, right? Because we have the long lighter to light the wicks and to go deep into the thing. This is and it, like immediate flame It in a half of a millisecond. It lights these wicks, especially if you have multiple wicks and I'm loving it. So I am into our new blowtorchy lighter thing. I'm sure there's a fancy name for it that I don't know, but I love it. I can attest to her loving it. And children that lean slightly toward the pyromaniac side, loving it as well. But that is not what I'm into. I am into volleyball madness. So we have one of our children is involved in volleyball and they actually did really well. They came into second. Uh, They came in second place for the semester. And I've got to be the line judge for these tournaments. And it is intense. And I've had some close calls that I could either be called biased or that I have my own team mad at me for making a call that they didn't agree with. So I'm putting myself in some challenging spaces which is an intense way of being present to the the volleyball that's happening. Yes, line judging is not for the faint of heart. I always feel for whoever is the volunteer that day. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, make it a great week. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or... Visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.